Good afternoon, everybody. It's good to be back here. Um, thank you, Pastor Esther, for sharing the word with us last week. And as we continue on Ephesians, uh, we're going to um, just dive deeper and deeper into the word and see what it has for us, see what God is teaching the church and how you see the church in Ephesus just coming through. But you see, it's really relevant to even us today. But before I start, I just wanted to mention that uh, one of our brothers, he's been coming to our church and attending our EM for many, many years, uh, Louis Lee. He's going uh, on a trip, a mission trip to Indonesia, and uh, afterwards he's going to go to Korea. He just told me that when he goes to Korea, he's going to visit a town uh, that Sarah Kim, if you know her, Sarah Kim, she's in the Air Force now, but her mom grew up in, and there's no church in that town. But they're going to go there and try to do ministry and see if there's anything they can do. But in Indonesia, it's going to be a vision slash mission trip. And I just want to take some time to pray for him. Pastor Christian and an elder from our church is also going. But Louis, can you just raise your hand? That's that's Louis. If you're near him, can you just uh, put your hand on this brother? And I'm just going to pray for him. And uh, let's lift him up together uh, as he goes on this mission trip. And let's really pray that, you know. Christ be magnified, God be glorified, and the gospel preached through your lives. So uh, let's just pray together at this time for our brother. God, we just want to lift him up to you. We ask God that as he goes on this trip, that you would send him, and that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit. And that God, that you would truly use him magnificently because the gospel is magnificent, God. And I ask that you would pour out your blessings upon him, grant them safe journey, give them mercy, Lord God, they're going to be in a place where there it is hostile to Christians, that Lord God, I pray God that you would grant them protection, give them wisdom, fill them with your Holy Spirit, so that Lord God, your will would be done. And Lord God, we just want to lift up our brother Lewis to you now. We know him uh, because he has served with us, he has three beautiful boys, and a wife that's serving as a pastor in this church as well. But Lord God, this family, we know um, their sacrifice and their offering to you has been fragrant. But Lord God, as he goes out, the conviction of the Spirit that you are sending him to Indonesia, to Korea, Father, I pray that you would be with him, that you would not let him go. That Father, just as we have sung, that even if our world would fall, Lord God, you would be there by our side, you would be there picking us up. So Lord, at this time, give him the strength that he needs. Fill him with your Holy Spirit so that the gospel may be preached to all the corners of the earth and use Lewis to do so. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, As we continue on Ephesians, um, well, before that, one, one announcement that wasn't there in our bulletin is today is actually our first football game and our first football game will be against i believe remnant remnant church uh it's going to be at 2 30 at overpeck park so if you want to support our football team um please join us at remnant please don't wear remnant t-shirts it's kind of ridiculous you know we are pilgrim wear your pilgrim t-shirts but that's kind of how, that's kind of the way, the, the way this uh, passage starts. 
talks about, talks about rivalry. It talks about us versus them. As ridiculous as it seems, if we went to this football game after service and we wore remnant t-shirts, remnant it would just be what? It would just be mind-boggling. When I was a kid, <clears throat> I loved the Mets. I loved the Mets. Like I would watch every single one of their games. Every time I would go out, and Mets are doing pretty well this season. For the last like 20 years, they have not been doing well. But I would, I would memorize the batting stances of Lenny Dykstra, you know, Daryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez. They would be my heroes. And I would try to pitch like Dwight Gooden if I ever pitch or catch like Gary Carter. A lot of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But these were like the all-stars in 86. And they won the World Series. And I love the Mets. I try to do everything whenever I would play with my friends to imitate, mimic them. And um, my cousins came from Korea the first time in 87. And some of you may know them. One of them is a, is a big thug. But uh, they came from Korea. My uncles took them out, night on the town, just to give them a tour of New York City. And I was waiting for them, so excited, because I grew up with a sister. I didn't have any male, like, uh, family, cousins, and here they were, male. And I could, like, play sports with them. I was so excited. And they came back to my grandma's house, and they were wearing Yankees apparel. I, I could not, I could not. I didn't have any words. I was just so sad. It was a deep sadness that I still hold to this day. My cousins, when they first came from Korea, my uncles gave them Yankee stuff. It's like, why? I wanted to rage, but I couldn't. I just held it in. It's like, why are you wearing that? Orange and blue. It's uh, way better. Way better. But once again, we live in a world of rivalries. We live in a world where it says Google versus Apple, Starbucks versus Dunkin' Donuts. If we were a little more serious, we live in a world where it says Republican versus Democrat, where we say black versus white. I was listening to a, a worship song in the 80s too, and this person was just talking about how God was breaking down walls, and then he started going off on this meant saying, you know, it's... You're breaking down walls, God, between the black and the white. And you see people in the, you hear people in the background going, yeah. And he goes, between the Asians and the Hispanics. And I was listening. I was like, what? I didn't know we had something against Hispanics. I guess we do. Now I have to have something. Against, no, but it was, it was weird. But we have all these um, walls, racial walls. We have political walls. You know, black versus white versus Asian. Apparently versus Hispanics too. But... I believe it's because we all have this sense of we want to belong somewhere, but we don't know exactly how to do it. We want to belong somewhere, but we don't know how to do it. So Paul starts off with the circumcised, uncircumcised. Uncircumcised, by the way, back then was a derogative term. And that's what the Jews would call people that weren't circumcised. They would call this derogative term. And he was saying between the uncircumcised, circumcised, he starts explaining. So... I do have three points, and the first one that I want to address is, what's the problem? And the second one was, is, excuse me, is how do we fix it? And the third one is, what happens now? So what's the problem, how do we fix it, and what happens now? What's the problem? It's we were alienated. That's the problem. We were 
outsiders. That is the problem. Verse 12, it says, we were Christless. We did not have Christ. We did not have a Savior. And if the king of the universe was not our king, then we are all, all foreigners. We are not people of the covenant, whether you believe it or not. What does that mean? It means that if we are godless, we are hopeless. The future is bleak. Our priorities are all over the place. In fact, when I say our priorities are all over the place, it means we live in in an idolatrous nation, world. We live in a place where idols are all over the place. That's why our priorities are, all, are, are different. We have different idols. So if your child is your idol, like I spoke about two weeks ago, if your child is your idol, your political party and your affiliation will be reflected because your child is your idol. If money is your idol, your political party will also be affected and it will reflect on what you really believe and you will pick that and you will say, this is the ultimate priority. That's why I'm in this party. If you have all these idols, that means we have our priorities all over the place, godless, hopeless. That's why no one can get along. Everybody, everybody believes racism is bad. Who doesn't believe racism is bad? And then you may, you may kind of argue. It's like, oh, I don't know, maybe some, someone down south. But people know racism is bad. So what do we do about it? What do we do? We educate people. Education is so important, right? I believe education is so important. So we start educating people. Racism is bad because of this and this and this. This happens. Look at this outcome here. You don't want this to happen. We want to live in peace and harmony. Racism is bad. But it doesn't work. Why is it working? So what do we do? Education is not working. So what do we start doing? We start shaming people on Facebook, social media, regular media, whatever you want to call it. We start shaming people. It's like, look at this idiot. He's being a racist. Let's blast him on social media. Let's blast him on every single way we know how. And guess what happens? Does anything change? Racism is over. No, it's not. Still very prevalent. Very prevalent. Why? Why? Because the problem is with the heart. Everyone knows that there's something wrong. That's fundamental. Everyone knows that there's something wrong with us. And it is fundamental. The problem is the heart. What's the problem? The problem is there is a wall and there's a wall between the Jews and the Gentiles, between the circumcised and uncircumcised. In that case, people in that temple area, the Jews are actually closer to the Holy of Holies. So they felt closer to God and Gentiles were separated by a wall. Men and women were separated. All these people, uh, socially, the rich and the slaves were, were uh, separated. But don't you see what we are learning from Ephesians, the gospel demolishes the wall. The gospel destroys the wall. When you walk down, but then you would think, oh, so, okay, how does that work out? Is there even a wall? 
you're not too sure, but I believe there really is a wall. When you walk down the streets, it's not just you who, who thinks you're totally enlightened because whoever walks down the streets, walk down the streets in New York City, you will at one point roll your eyes at someone or something. It's just who we are. We roll our eyes when you, you, and we judge. When you see a people of a different color, race, sure, sometimes. Political party, definitely. Social class, oh yeah. Piety level, I am more holy. They are not holy. You do. You do. We do. So how do we fix that? How does the gospel actually break down these walls? And that's why in verse 13, there's a big but. But, and how do we fix it? It's reconciliation. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You have to start seeing this picture. People were far away from the Holy of Holies. Even though we had the Jewish people closer to the Holy of Holies, they were still separated. Gentiles were even further away, so they even felt it that much more. When you see this picture, you who have been far, now you've been brought into the circle. You are in the inner circle by the blood of Christ. That's the gospel. And then what happens when you're in the circle? When you're in the circle, there's peace. Peace like you've never known before. Peace that the world cannot offer, can't even remotely give. How do we get this peace? In verse 14, it says, peace is in the person of Jesus Christ. We think that we can get peace by just making the right vote. As long as I have this leader as president of the United States... We will have peace. And if this person does not become the president, this world will just blow up. It will go away in a puff of smoke. That's how fragile our world is. This is what we think. But I assure you, you cannot get peace through another person. You can only get peace in the person of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ not only tore down the wall, when he brought us into the circle, the Bible says he made us one. He tore down this wall of hostility by setting aside the law. And you're like, what? What do you mean set aside the law? That means the rules and regulations that separated Jews and Gentiles, they're gone. Now that these rules are are not in place, you guys can actually get along with one another. What does that mean? That means no works could have saved us. The law only showed us that we are condemned, but the law was also nailed to the cross. He erased our debts. That's how Jesus did it, which leads to my third and last point. What happens now? This is the main point. This is identification. Our new identity. God has reinvented us. What was before was impossible. We could have never got along. But now because of Christ, it is possible. We were alienated from God and we were alienated from each other. But when Christ brings us into himself, he makes us one. And in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile anymore. There's no more slave or free. There's no more male or female. You are all one. In Christ Jesus. What does that mean? 
That means no more racial barriers between us if you believe in Christ. There's no more social barriers between us if you are in Christ. There are no more gender barriers between us if you are in Christ. Christ makes us one in him. And we have finally attained what we have been longing for, the belongingness. Now I see we can be one in Christ and only through Christ. I can have peace in Christ and only through Christ. And God, the gospel is showing us this. We have been given, we, us. It's not my new identity. It's our new identity. We have been given a new identity. When you become a Christian, there is something deeper and more extensive than any other connection we have known before. God can do what humans always failed at all throughout history. He broke down barriers that were never broken before. Racial barriers, social barriers, gender barriers, yes, and even political barriers. Because we have a new identity in Christ See, no longer do we belong to the chaos of the world where every decision we think, oh man, this world is going to go up in flame, in smoke. We're all going to die. It's going to be terrible. But we belong to God and we have peace knowing that we are part of God's kingdom. How do we apply that? I... My testimony is, I realize that as I go to church, as I have come to Pilgrim Church, I have made friends with people I would have never made friends with. Some of you, I would not have even liked at all, let alone break bread. But don't you see, that's amazing to me. And look around, if you have been incorporated into this body of Christ, into this church, we, start, we started to break bread with one another and I, you would not have been in my social circle or my political circle or any, any of my circles at all. But we started breaking bread together and it was amazing. I had no idea that I could like someone like you. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> I actually do like you. There is something deeper and grander that connects us together than just familiarity and like habits. The reason why I like my cousins so much is because I knew that I needed to be with them and grow up with them and play with them, have fellowship with them because I knew something deep down even when I was a kid and that is because we shared the same blood. We are family. I'll do anything for them. You do something to my cousin, I would destroy you. And the same thing. We had this with this brotherhood, but there is something even deeper than human blood, just our kind of blood. It says we have now been united by Christ's blood. See, this is the blood, blood bonds, we say, is the strongest bonds of all. And it's true. God shed his blood for us. And now we have this bond and it is unbreakable because it is God's blood that unites us. 
Some people treat the church perhaps as unnecessary, unimportant, and you hear some criticisms. Maybe sometimes people think it's a hindrance even to God's work. But as this passage finishes, Paul is saying that we are all a stone, a part of the building. We're all a stone. We need to be together. You can't be a stone apart from the building. You can't be a refugee from your own country. It just doesn't work. So what we have designed is that we want to continue and receive God's wisdom and, what, and see what God had designed in his first church. And we're seeing God, God, when God designs, it's amazing. You see fellowship, you see the breaking of bread, you see prayers, you see, you see people learning about the doctrines, about the, the Bible. And you see this fellowship unbreakable, unbreakable. This is what we really want to do in our church. And this is what the Bible is teaching us. We have a chance to do what's right. And we believe that we have this obligation to live out this call as new creations with our new identity. To live now in community. So... We do have small groups in the back. But let me try to explain small groups in the way that we really believe it's biblical. Small groups are not just for you to get along with people that are similar to you. It's not. Just like I said before, it's so easy for me to get along with people of my same life stage and age and how I grew up, place where I grew up. It's easy. But that doesn't change anything. When I first came to this EM and I started ser- uh, serving and uh, having meetings with the deacons, I couldn't have imagined a more diverse group of people, thinking-wise, too. We all look Asian, so we're monoethnic, but the thinking was all, so different, so different when we started. Someone wanted this, someone wanted this, and it was the total opposite. How do we get along there? But as we continue to work together, I saw something beautiful. And I saw a change in people. People started to change. People started to appreciate one another, honor one another, listen to one another. And this deacon board is now something beautiful. And I actually, there's no lie, I'm not even exaggerating. I actually like going to these meetings to hear what deacons have to say. And deacons know that, you know, if it's something worth saying, I need to say it. If it's something not worth saying, I'll keep it back. But I want to listen. And this kind of harmony was achieved not just in an instant. It took years. It did. But I've realized I myself have been stretched in ways I would have never been stretched in. And this is God's design for the church. And this is why we want to implement small groups. And we want all different people of different life stages, of social class, whatever it is, gender, to go into these small groups and be challenged, be stretched. This is Christ's design for us. And I assure you, because God is good, that we will make it out okay. That it will be successful. That you will see, wow, I would have never thought of it that way. But this person, this this sister of mine shared this. And I was like, whoa, I would have never even seen it that way. That's amazing. I would have thought that now in our day in social media, I would just 
be stretched normally. But I realized something that over the over the years that I've been on Facebook and Twitter and all that, like even social media starts becoming fine-tuned to who you are. So you just start seeing the news you're used to seeing. You just start seeing ads of Amazon of things that you're always buying anyway on the side of Facebook. That's crazy, by the way. But then you start seeing like ads of things that you just normally would buy. And then you just become more and more into yourself. You never get stretched. But God's design is different. He wants us to get stretched. That's our new identity, to be one, not just one uniformly, but one unity. So we, I would like to encourage every one of us to, to start by signing up. Be bold. Just sign up. And you'll have your small group leader uh, contact you. And I just want to say from their perspective, small group leaders are very, very scared. Because they, they're, they're always asking, what if no one signs up for my group? Is it because they don't like me? And of course, I would respond the pastorly way. I would say, of course, no one likes you. No, I'm just kidding. I would say, no, people, I hope they like you. I don't know. Uh, but... You know, people people are nervous. I, I just wanna I just wanna really recognize the leaders that were bold enough to just take that step and say, you know what, I'll open up my house or I'll make this uh time slot dedicated to small groups. That that's a big step of faith. And I hope that you can also respect that. Uh so we wanted to accommodate as much as we could. So if you live in Edgewater, we have an Edgewater small group. If you live in uh, Paramus, we have uh, a small group that's here, and we have one in, I believe, Fort Lee, um, and, and many other places. So please do sign up. And there's a cap. There's a cap to about eight people, so we do actually keep it small. And then once we hit the cap, we're going to start up another small group. We'll find another leader, so that really becomes small. The commitment will be for six months, and I will be with every small group, every step of the way, uh, especially with the leaders. And so if you even want to be a leader, there's a leader sign-up sheet in the back too. So this is going to start in October. This is huge, but this is really from the conviction of what the Bible is teaching us. You know, the Bible teaches us one thing, and you're like, oh, this is good. We do have a new identity in Christ. That's great. But if you don't apply it, and we don't do anything about it, what good is it? What good is it? If you just get a feel-good sermon, you walk out knowing that God is with you, but you don't even live it like that. So this is our challenge to the church, our challenge to the leaders. We are learning about the church. Let's actually try to live it. And you know, God says, go out into the world. Our brother Lewis, he's actually literally going out to the ends of the earth. So we pray for him. We support him because he's taking that conviction. He wants to go out. In the same way, when we see this, we need to apply it to our lives and say, God, we want to be a church that's a community, that's one in Christ. We believe that you have made us one. We're going to start living it. We're going to start walking. How exactly? We've spelled it out in the small groups. Give it a shot and see how it is. If that small group leader, by the way, is terrible, you can come to me in confidence and I will... I will do something about it, right? But we'll do our best to train every small group leader to lift them up. 
and have an awesome, awesome small group. Um, there are a lot of things going on and there's a lot of things at play when something like this has to happen. So I hope that you can appreciate there's a lot of effort and a lot of details that, are, that we needed to work out. So I hope that you do sign up in the back. That's, that's this challenge to this congregation. But in the end, in the end, I want us to know that only through Christ can this even be possible. Only through Christ was this even feasible. And only because of Christ did the idea pop in our heads. Before people only met in large groups. In their homes, they didn't do anything. After Christ was risen, you know what they said? We'll go to the temple courts and we'll proclaim the gospel on Sundays. But otherwise, you know what? We'll proclaim the gospel in our homes. So that there was a large group like this. And there was a small group in that first church. So we want to follow that. We want to have that happen. And we know God is with us. Our new identity, being in Christ, changes everything. And I hope that once you see this, you will allow yourself to be stretched and challenged and take that first step of faith. And see if God isn't with you. See if God doesn't empower you with his Holy Spirit and bless you because you are with him and he is with you. And we are one. So please take this challenge seriously. Please pray about it. And I encourage you in two weeks, please support our small groups. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you that your design was more amazing than we could have ever imagined. That belonging to this church, not just Pilgrim Church, but belonging to the church is more important than where we work or go to school or what exclusive club we belong to. Because belonging to the church means that we are one with you for eternity. That there is a peace that we receive that we could have never received before. That there is riches beyond what we could have ever imagined. And God, we want to receive this, all that you have promised. But we want to live by faith. We want to take the challenge that is ahead of us. And we want to walk that first step in faith. So Lord God, please give us the strength to do so. It's not about how big our faith is, Lord. We realize it's about where our faith is put on. So our faith is on you. And we know that you are big and that you are mighty. So please be with your church now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please remain standing for the charge and closing prayer. Gathered, we have come to see that God has torn down all the walls for humanity to be finally united to him. And scattered, go out and share the good news and live out the gospel by loving one another in community. And Lord, to do this, we ask that you would grant us your Holy Spirit, give us your holy power, but most of all, surround us in your holy love. In Jesus' name, amen.